Very good morning to you all. Morning, 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 morning. You can see lots of shorts as well. I do have a rule. I don't know. Well, it's a rule only for me. I don't try and impose this on other people because other people should be able to live their lives. But um, I have a rule that on it, until it's like 25 degrees, I don't think you should wear shorts. You know, I'm not, and this isn't personal to anyone in this room. But, I, but it's good to know that like summer is officially here. Or maybe here for the next couple of days, and then we can go back to what we were doing before. And then it will come back, hopefully. Um, but for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name's Alute. So, actually, I want to say, I've been coming to this church since 2012. But over the last two years, I feel like I've been in, on loan, like in a way, to Norwich, um, where I've been working. But it's very good to see you all here today. Um, I'm sure you're wondering, well, what do you have to say? Like, what, what are you standing up here doing like um i work as a trainee solicitor and i was in court last week wednesday luckily it was another one of my colleagues who was really like dealing with it and he was he was talking he was chatting away to the judge and the judge was like but what do you want like what are you here to do um (laughs) and in that vein uh, what i'm here to do is i'm here to talk to us talk to you all about kind of truth and pauline said something wonderful during the prayers and kind of said it's amazing just all the truths that we've heard Um, if we just think about all the truths we've heard like this morning, just today, like there's there's so much, there's so many truths from scripture, maybe um, on your drive or your walk in here, you heard some truths from the person that you live with, um, or you heard some truths on the radio. But I started to think, well, what truths are really important? Like, which truths should we really be holding on to? And how do we actually hold on to those things that are really, really true, that are really important? Um... And when I wake up, I check my phone or email or I turn on the TV. There are so many truths that I'm kind of bombarded with all the time, you know. And it's hard to sort through them. Like maybe I'll see that Arsene Wenger, the manager of Arsenal, has decided to retire and leave after 22 years. And I think, oh, that's important. And, um, you know, there's all this sort of stuff going on with North Korea. And I think, oh, well, that's quite important. And then I hear, okay, Jesus is the light of the world. And I think, oh, yeah, you know, that's important as well. Um, and then Man United won yesterday. And it's like... It's just this sea, isn't it, of, of truth, of things that are true. And uh, one of the ways that you can sort through all this truth is to kind of just sort it by which happened most recently. Um, and so some people look at the Bible and they might just say, well, all this stuff about Jesus is less important because it happened a long time ago. And all the stuff that happened a long time ago, it's basically, it's like old news, it's not really relevant. And what I found, and don't ask me where I found this, because I, I can't even remember, uh, but I found a page from the Observer newspaper from the 25th of August, 1996. I found this in my room. Um, and and, 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 I, and I, I don't know, I just thought it would be interesting to read through it, just to, th- just to see like, how people were thinking at that time. Uh, and, I read about, and I read this um, one little bit about this professor called Douglas Wood. Um, and evidently house prices had taken a bit of a dip but it seemed like they were recovering. But then he had this amazing prediction back in 1996. Um, actually, he would have made it in 1995. Um, and, and this is what he said. I wouldn't be surprised to see that house, house prices gently falling over this 20-year period. At the end of it, I think that houses in real terms will probably be worth in order of 20 to 30% lower in real terms than they currently are. It was like, at that time, to him, that seemed to make a lot of sense. And, um, and even though there was quite a good year, the year after he made that prediction, he was still like, 
hold on guys, you know, let's wait and see. This, I'm not totally wrong yet. Um, and, he, and it says an unrepentant wood pointed out last week that it would be another 19 years before his forecast could finally be proved wrong. Like, you know, I can't be wrong for another 19 years. Like, there's still hope. <laughs> and, I think, and I think sometimes we can kind of see, well, some people see Jesus' truth like that. It was something that was said a really long time ago, and he was kind of predicting things, and maybe that made sense for him at that time, and that was nice. Um, but now, actually, it's not so relevant. And when I was thinking about Jesus' truth, the things that Jesus says um, over our world, and actually, like, personally to us, um, I thought of a particular story, and it's quite a famous one. Um, it's the story of Jesus um, raising Lazarus from the dead. And what I wanted us to do is to look at this story, but not just look at it, but really think, okay, what was the truth that Jesus spoke? How was it received by the people who were around at that time? Um, and actually, how can we hold on to Jesus' truth, like, in our time, in our life? So, I'm just going to read uh, from John chapter 11, for those of you who have Bibles. Um, if you have the church Bibles, I'm going to start on page 1077. If you don't have a church Bible, then I don't know what page you will be on. Um, but you'll be, on, you'll be in John 11, and I'll just start off by reading verses 1 to 4. So Jesus has been going around, he's been doing these miracles, uh, and in John's Gospel he calls them signs. You know, things that Jesus was doing that were amazing. But they weren't just interesting. They actually pointed to something. They were kind of pointing to who Jesus really was. So it says, Now a man man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So you have this situation um, where one of Jesus' really good friends has a family member who's ill. And I'm sure a lot of us have experienced that or something similar to that. Um, When a really good friend of yours has something going on in their life, it almost feels like it's happening in your life, in a way, like there's that, because you're you're so deeply connected to them. Um, And Jesus has this connection with this lady called Mary, and actually a connection with her brother, Lazarus. And he gets word that his friend's brother is is really ill. Actually, it seems quite serious. Um, But Jesus has this amazing truth. And he says again in verse 4, He says, this sickness will not lead to death, or will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so so that God's Son may be glorified through it. When I think about that truth, and when I think about all the truths that God speaks over our life, I think it's kind of like a rope, okay? And, And that rope, I'll kind of flick this out a bit better. That rope starts, it might say it starts down here. And here is like where Jesus says something to us that's true. He says that this sickness won't end in death. Like, this is going to work out for God's glory. But sometimes it takes a long time for that truth to actually come to pass. So say if the end of of that truth is over here. This is when it really happens. But sometimes there's a bit of a gap, obviously, in time. Could be months, could be years, could be days. 
in between what Jesus says and what Jesus says actually happening in reality. And what we're going to look at now is how the disciples and Martha and Mary, like what they did along this journey between Jesus speaking the truth and the truth actually coming to pass, as they could see it. So now we're going to move on and we're going to look at verses 11 to 16. So again, if you're in the church Bibles, that's just over the page. So, John chapter 11, verses 11 to 16, read this way. So Jesus is talking to the disciples. And after he said this, he, Jesus, went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. <coughs> then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So Jesus has just spoken, and he's spoken clearly. And he's saying that this isn't going to lead to death. It's for God's glory. But the disciples are standing here, say, on the timeline. And they're thinking, well, either two things are true, right? So either Jesus was right, um, and Lazarus isn't going to die, and everything's going to be fine, and it's working out for you know, God's good. So actually, yeah, let's keep going with Jesus. Let's go there. He's a bit ill, so let's go and pray for him, and everything will work out. So either, like, that's, that's scenario one that makes sense to them. Or scenario two is that, well, Lazarus is actually dead. And Jesus said that he wasn't going to die. So why am I even following Jesus anyway? Where is Jesus taking me? And what's the point in us going off to go and pray for this person when actually all the things that Jesus says, they don't really come to pass. They don't really happen. And when I was thinking about this kind of conundrum in my own mind, um, it made me think about the people whose word... I really trust, you know. And you have a lot of those people in your life, uh, like, obviously, yeah, parents, a spouse, maybe a very good friend. But since uh, I've been in Norwich, I found one of those people, okay, one of those really special people you can, you can really trust. You feel like you can give them the most important things in your life, um, and they'll take care of it. Now, this special person, I'm not going to lie, I can't honestly remember his name. Okay, but all I know is whenever I take my car to him, he sorts it out and he charges very little. Because I remember um, <laughs> once my, my window wasn't winding down on my windows, and this happened, this is bad actually, this probably happened like last summer, and all over the winter, like this passenger side window wouldn't wind down. And I just, you know, when you look at problems and you think, oh, it's going to cost a lot of money, I might as well just pretend this isn't happening. So I did that for a good couple of months. Um, and then I thought, oh, I've got to take it to the mechanic. I took it to one mechanic, actually, in Hutton. And he, and, he, and he said he had to take the door off. And it was a regulator. And he was like, it's going to be a couple hundred pounds. And I was like, I need a second opinion. Um, so <laughs> when I got to Norwich, I, I took it to this other mechanic. And all he did, honestly, all he did, it was like, say that this is the window. He just grabbed it, forced it down, and then he sprayed some lubricant or something like in the bottom. And it's been working perfectly ever since, and he didn't even charge me for that, actually. So he's an amazing man. Um, and whenever I take my car to him, honestly, if he tells me it's fine, it's like, 
I believe you. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't care what, what it looks like right now. I know it's going to be fine because you've said so. I really do trust you. Um, and it's like I have a bit of a problem with my exhaust. My next MOT, I've probably got to sort that out. Um, and if, if I gave my car to him, to this man, and uh, he said, you know, it's going to be fine. I've got this under control. But I went in the next day to the garage and my exhaust was lying on the floor and it was in bits and actually, you know, there was oil over, all over my car and it was winched up. I would actually still trust him, you know? Even though it kind of, I would be like, oh, you know, things look bad now, but I'm going to wait and see how this goes because I trust in his word. And I, th- I think sometimes with Jesus, it's a bit like that. Like things obviously are as they are. You know, in, in this scenario, it wasn't just that it looked bad. You know, sometimes we say, oh, well, things look a bit bad. Uh, but sometimes actually things are a bit bad. They don't just look bad. Uh, and in this scenario, Lazarus was, at, and, and Jesus admits that Lazarus is dead. Like, bad things have happened. He's not lied about it. He's being honest. But he's saying, but he's saying that my word is still true. What I said in the beginning is still true, regardless of what things look like right now. Because you can trust me, because I'm taking you to where you really need to go. So as we move on, we we encounter another um, character in this story, person in this episode. Um, And that's Martha, who's Lazarus's sister. And we're going to look at her story from verse 17 to 27. So that says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So Martha seems to, be, seems to have a little bit more faith than the disciples did in, in what Jesus was saying. But, but for Martha, there was still like a bit of a disconnect. I don't know if you have that sometimes with some of the things, say, that, we, um, that were read out this morning that sound fantastic, you know, that sound lovely. But I actually think, but in my life, well, I don't see those things happening all the time, to be honest. Um, and Jesus seems to be saying that I'm the resurrection and the life. And to Jesus, that means, so I'm going to raise your brother from the dead. But to Martha, it's a bit like, okay, you know, what's, what's your point here? Like, yeah, Jesus, I believe you're the resurrection and the life, but I don't see what that has to do with my actual life, because my brother's dead. And there's no, and I, I, you know what I mean? I, there's a bit of a gap. It's like to say, if, if this, again, was kind of Jesus' truth, sometimes it's up here, and it's this amazing, lovely thing, and we're kind of like down here on the ground, and we don't really get what it has to do like with our lives. But Jesus continues to walk with all of them, like through their doubts, through, through all the things that they think are wrong, through all the things that they think won't work out. 
and we see that Jesus ends up right at the tomb. So we're so close now um, to the end, to the reality of the truth actually coming to pass. Um, And to see that, we're going to look at verses 38 to 44. So they read this way. So Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So Jesus brings us all the way to the end, right? All the way to the end of the journey. But just before the end, just before that thing that Jesus said was going to happen did happen, like Martha was full of doubt, like legitimate doubt. She'd never seen anything like this happen before. Why would it happen now? It it didn't really make much sense to her. And and she asked a really, like, I think quite a polite, she, she makes kind of a, a quite a polite kind of British statement in the face of this crazy thing that someone's saying. Um, obviously, she's just like a, in verse 39, when she's told to take, to roll the stone away, she says, by this time, there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. And it's kind of like, I was thinking, when someone's giving you a lift home, and say, if, I live in Brentwood, and uh, say, if, if one of you is to take me, um, and, and would try and take me home, and we were to go down Hickstairs Lane, like come out, of the, uh, we'll come out of the school and turn right, get to the bottom of the road. Obviously, you turn left, probably, if you want to go to Brentwood. You turn right if you want to go like, towards Basildon. Um, and if you turn right, I might, I might think, oh, you know, this isn't going right. But I might not want to be too rude. And I might just say, did you know, if you turn in this direction, you'll probably end up in Basildon as opposed to Brentwood. Like, that's kind of what Martha's doing. She's kind of asking, she's kind of making a polite statement like, Jesus, did you know that if we take, you know, if we roll this stone away, if we open up this casket, the only thing that's going to happen is we're just going to have a really bad smell everywhere because dead people don't rise again. So, like, what's, what's your plan here? Um, and despite that, right, so despite Martha's doubt, just before Jesus' word came to pass, okay, despite her inability to understand what, what, who Jesus was and how that actually related to her life, and despite the fact that the disciples thought, actually, there's no point in even going on this journey. This whole thing is a waste of time. Like, despite all that, Jesus still brought them to the end. Like, Jesus' word still came to pass. So it made me think, like, actually, who lost out on this journey? Who, who, like, who actually lost out? Well, Jesus didn't necessarily lose out because he was right in the end, and uh, Lazarus didn't lose out because he came back from the dead. But, uh, but I think the disciples lost out, right? 
because they went through this whole journey kind of upset and full of doubt. Uh, and, they, and they didn't experience this whole journey with joy. And Martha, even though she was grieving, which is, which is obviously natural and which is fine, she still could have had like an undercurrent of joy going through this whole journey, like Jesus is here and he's going to raise my brother from the dead. And that makes me think about the things that God has told us, right? All the truths that we've heard this morning, all the truths that uh, we speak over ourselves, that we might write down our in our house, the truths we might read um, in scripture in the morning or in the evening. And like, what are those truths that you're kind of holding on to, right? Those truths that actually, even though Jesus has said them, you don't really see them happening that much, like in the world that we live in. They might be truths that are personal to you, things that God has, um, things that God has said that you're going to do, like in the next couple of years with your life, maybe things that God has said he's going to change in your family, like in the life of your children, or in the life of your friends or your loved ones. Or maybe in the life of your town, or of your city, or of your country. Like there are all, the, all these different words that God has spoken to us that we really need to hold on to. And I began to think, how do we hold on? Like how do we go through this journey with joy? Like God says he, he works all things together for good, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Like how do we hold on to that? How do we keep going? Now there are three things I think we need to do. Um, but in order to illustrate those three things, I do need two volunteers. Ideally one person from this side, one person from that side. I'm looking at that. Yeah, there you go. So can you come and can you grab this end of the rope, please? Thank you very much. And John, can I get you? And could you grab this end? Is that okay? And then we can, can we get it a bit, yeah, a little bit tighter? Yeah, so you're about, yeah, that's perfect, that's perfect. So, let's say Ben is us, yeah, I was about to say no tug of wars, please. Um, <laughs> so Ben, so, so let's say Ben is us, right? And this rope is Jesus' truth. Like, this is, these, these are some of the things that Jesus is spoken over our lives. Like, he's saying he's working all things together for good. And, and that's what Ben wants to hold on to, right? And Ben wants to get to the end, because Ben obviously wants to get to Jesus, okay? Um, so what can Ben do along this path of life, like winding roads, all the things that go wrong and go crazy? Like, what can he do to get from one end to the other? So one of the first things I think he can do is to repeat the truth, right? So it's really easy to forget what Jesus has said. It's really easy to actually let it slip through our fingers. But it's very difficult to tie a bit of string whilst talking. Sue, could you, <coughs> could you tie the string, please? <coughs> yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so, so, so one of the things that the, the disciples failed to do is they, they failed to keep coming back to Jesus' word. Like, I think maybe if they kept coming back to what Jesus said, they'd be able to hold on. Thank you so much, Sue. I didn't even ask you to do that last bit. No, can you stay? Yeah, can you help me? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and if you kind of loosen your grip a little bit. So I think one of the things that happens in life is we let go, don't we? Like, we constantly let go of that truth because it's like, again, you know, I, I, hear the, I hear the Tottenham score and I think, oh, well, you know, and I, I'm suddenly gone. And actually, the Tottenham score, even though it's interesting, it probably won't lead me to Jesus. So, um, so really, actually, I want to hold on to the truth that God has spoken to me. So if you grab hold of that, and if you get closer. So let's say we're doing that. We're repeating God's truth. Now, another thing that we can do is... Thank you, Sue. 
somewhere in the middle, anywhere, um, is we can ruminate on it. Now, did I pick this word because it began with R? Yes. But I also picked it because it is actually relevant, <laughs> what I have to say. So the word ruminate, um, it kind of means to meditate upon, to like consider deeply. Um, and that's one of the things that Martha was kind of struggling to do in the middle of her journey. Like, she heard this truth about Jesus, this great, like, interesting thing that he's the resurrection in the life, and you think, okay, that's interesting, but what does that have to do with my life? And sometimes I think we just need to sit with that truth, right? We really just need to consider it deeply. Like, the things we sing about, the choruses we sing, we just need to keep those in our mind. Like, in, in dark times or difficult times, it is often those kind of worship choruses that come back to you. Um, and it's that kind of thing, that kind of truth from God that we need to hold on to. We need to ruminate or kind of meditate upon. So if you come a bit closer, and so we're nearly there. Um, then the last thing I think we need to do oh, yes, uh, is to respond, right? So we've repeated Jesus' truth. We've tried to keep it in our hearts. Um, we've really meditated upon it. But sometimes we get right to the end, don't we? Like, we get right to Jesus. Like, he, he's right there. We're like Martha, and we're just outside the tomb. And Jesus says, just take one more step. Like, even if you're full of doubt, even if you think, you know what, God, this isn't going to work out. Like, this person isn't going to give their life to Jesus. This person's life isn't going to change. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Jesus is still like, just take that last step. Like, why not? If you're just there, so say if I was Ben, and I was right here, I could just reach out and just touch Jesus. It's like, he's that close. And I think often Jesus is right there and he's asking us to take that last step. So those are the three things I think we can do to hold on to the truths that Jesus has given us, to repeat them, to remember them in the mornings or the evenings, um, to ruminate, to kind of like meditate upon them, to sit with them in our hearts and then to respond to them. So like to live as if they were really true, like to just to live them out. And I think those are some of the things that we can do. So you can put that down now. Can we give them a round of applause? They've done so fantastically. And Sue, obviously, without whom none of these things would be possible. Um, <laughs> so, so I just wanted to, yeah, encourage us to just hold on. Because I think for a lot of us, we're right there. Like, God is about to change that situation. Like, God is about to change that person's life. He's about to change the life of our country. Why not? Um, but we just need to hold on. And uh, if there aren't any particular truths that come to you, that Jesus is speaking over you. I just wanted to speak some of those truths now. So, Joan, if you'd be so kind as to come up. What I wanted us to do um, was to really imagine that, that that rope was, of Jesus' word was in front of us. So if people are happy to do this, if we could just close our eyes. If we just close our eyes and, um, and imagine that we are, we're holding on to that rope. That rope's out in front of us. We're grabbing the hold of it and that rope leads to Jesus. I think these are some of the things that that rope might symbolize. So the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way 
and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that you've spoken over us. Lord, help us to hold on to it. Help us to repeat it. Help us to meditate upon it and help us to respond to it, Lord. Help us to live as if it really is true because it is. I thank you, Lord, that you're the, co- you're the cornerstone of our faith. We can build our life upon you. Um, help us to trust you and to know you more. Amen.